We're going to get into the Word today. We are in a teaching series called Made for More. Made for more. We are teaching through the book of Ephesians, and our goal is that we corporately as a church would embrace the reality that we've been made for more, and that each of us as individual followers of Christ would embrace the reality that we've been made for more. And so last week we started in Ephesians chapter 1, and we just painted a really big picture of Jesus that Jesus is more, and that if we could just grasp just a fraction of how big Jesus is in our lives, if we could grasp just a fraction of how much the gospel has promised in our lives, oh, we would be unstoppable. And so if you missed last week's message, be sure to go check out the podcast. But we're going to get into part two today. We're going to get into Ephesians chapter two. And part two of our series is made to be more. We are made to be more. And so what that means is that before we get into what we're supposed to do as a church, before we get into what we're supposed to do as followers of Christ, it's important that we grasp who we are who we've been made to be. Because if we don't get that part right, all of our effort, all of our striving, all of our work is going to be for the wrong reason, and it's going to be done with the wrong hearts. So if you've got your notes, you can find the notes attached to this video on our website. You can find the notes attached to the audio on our website. Or you can use our church app. You can go to the App Store or the Google Play Store, get the Kauai Bible Church app, and you can get the church notes or the sermon notes on the app as well. But if you take a look at the notes, here's our big picture point for today. Every follower of Jesus is a masterpiece work of God with a general calling and a unique calling. Every follower of Jesus is a masterpiece work of God. We need to embrace living life as masterpieces. And then also understanding that we all have a general calling and a unique calling. And we're going to break that down a little bit today to understand what that is and what that means. But let's go ahead and get into Ephesians chapter 2 and let's begin to, to teach through this. If you got your Bibles, let's jump in starting in verse 1. And you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. Among them we too all formerly lived in the lusts of our flesh, indulging the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. I'm going to stop right there. You see... We're talking about being masterpieces, but in our fallen states, we were not yet the masterpieces that God created us to be. If you're listening to this and you have not experienced Christ Jesus, you're still in your fallen states. You are not yet the masterpiece that God created you to be. We are dead in our trans trespasses and our sins. We are operating according to the prince of the power of the air. Who is that? That's Satan. 
So we are operating according to His will. He's in control of our lives. And we live our lives to indulge the desires of our flesh, to live how we want to live. And that sin has separated us from God. And so even though Jesus created us, remember, all things were made through Him. All things were made by Him. All things were made for Him. So even though Jesus created us, we are not the masterpiece we were intended to be because we are operating under the curse of sin and because we are operating operating in the sin nature that is born within our flesh. We are not masterpieces yet. All of creation, everything, wherever you live, whatever the, the beauty of creation that you're surrounded by, all of creation is under the curse of sin. That means that all of creation falls short of how perfect and how beautiful and how amazing it was intended to be in God's original creation. We are not yet the masterpieces God created us to be. Now let's get to the good news. But God, being rich in mercy because of His great love with which He loved us. Let's go to verse 5. Even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with Him and seated us with Him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the ages to come He might show the surpassing riches of His grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. Listen, we were not yet masterpieces, and so something had to happen. Christ Jesus had to come and show his great love and his great kindness and his great grace towards us by dying in our place. You'll see in your notes, it says the masterpiece was not discovered until the artist died. Think about Vincent Van Gogh. When we think of Van Gogh, we think of the great impressionist painters, and we think of, of, of the masterpieces and the starry night, and maybe you think of him cutting off of his ear, uh, whatever the, the, the case may be. But Vincent Van Gogh... None of his works of art were considered masterpieces while he was still alive. Van Gogh created over 2,000 pieces of art, including over 860 oil paintings. Most of them he created in the last two years of his life. He really got into art later in life. He wasn't really raised in it, didn't practice it, but then in the last two years of his life, the gift really took off. But here's the thing, Van Gogh only sold one painting in his lifetime. Van Gogh was truly the tortured artist. He suffered from alcoholism. He suffered from psychotic delusions. He suffered from mental illness. He spent uh, much of his adult life in asylums, and in, in psychiatric asylums. And eventually, Van Gogh died at the age of 37 years old by suicide. The year was 1890. And when he died, he was known as a madman and a failure. It wasn't until the World War I years when Van Gogh's letters that he had written to his younger brother, Theo, were published that Van Gogh became famous in Europe. 25 years after he died. It wasn't until his biography was published in 1934 that he became famous in the United States, 44 years after he died. 
It wasn't until European Impressionist painters began adopting his techniques in the early 1900s that he gained any notoriety at all. But today, today his paintings are amongst the most expensive pieces of art in the world. His paintings are considered masterpieces. If you think of Starry Night, if you think of his self-portraits, of his, of his orchard field paintings, of his iris paintings, of his, of his cypress paintings... Two of his portraits and his painting irises all sold for over $100 million. His wheat field with Cypress's painting sold for $57 million. They are considered masterpieces, but they weren't considered masterpieces. They weren't discovered until after the artist died. And the masterpiece that we were created to be could not be discovered until we experienced what the death of our artist, our maker, our creator, Jesus Christ, until he died. And his death paid the price so that we could be recreated as the masterpieces we were intended to be. Let's check out Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10. It says, For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. Let's read the same verse in the New Living Translation. For we are God's masterpiece, He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things He planned for us long ago. How about the same verse in the Passion Translation? You know Pastor Danae is wearing off on me if she's got me reading the Passion Translation. It says, we have become His poetry, a recreated people that will fulfill the destiny He has given each of us. For we are joined to Jesus, the Anointed One. Even before we were born, God planned in advance our destiny and the good works we would do to fulfill it. We are God's masterpiece, created anew in Christ Jesus. That means that Jesus created us the first time when he knit us together in our mother's womb, when we were fearfully and wonderfully made. But it also means that Jesus created us a second time when we surrendered our life to the gospel message, when we received all of the grace that he purchased for us in his death on the cross, it says that Jesus makes us new and he recreates us into the masterpiece he intended, no longer stained by sin, no longer separated from God, no longer falling short of the glory of God, but masterpieces. And so I want to encourage us today that we would live as a masterpiece. That we would live as a masterpiece. That we would embrace who we have been created to be. Who we are now that we have received the grace of Jesus Christ in our lives. And so I just want to give you a few thoughts here on this idea of being a masterpiece. First off is that our value is found in our maker. What makes a piece of art a masterpiece is who created it. It's the skill of the artist. It's the the gift that he brings into the creation of the artwork. And so to live as masterpieces, we have got to embrace the value of who we are. And the only place we find that value is in who created us, Jesus Christ. 
We're not valuable because of how we look. We're not valuable because of how we dress. We're not valuable because of what we're capable of doing. We're not valuable because we fit some cultural norm. We're not valuable because we've been accepted by people. No, the only reason we are valuable is because of who made us. Our value is found entirely in Christ Jesus as he made us once and as he recreated us in the gospel. Listen, a masterpiece doesn't mean that it's universally accepted by everybody. Right? I I could look at a work of art that's considered a masterpiece, and, and because I don't have a lot of taste for artwork, and because I don't have a lot of understanding of the skill that goes into it, I could look at a masterpiece work of art and just be like, I guess it's okay. I don't see what the big deal is, but I mean, I guess, right? So, but just because I don't perceive it as a masterpiece doesn't change the value of what that masterpiece is, right? And so just because we don't fit into maybe what the culture says is beautiful or what the culture says is valuable or what the culture says is most useful, listen, you are not a masterpiece because somebody says you're a masterpiece. No, you're a masterpiece because you have been created new in Christ Jesus. So what that means is is that if we can embrace the value found in our maker, then we don't have to live our lives comparing ourselves to others. We don't have to live our lives in the insecurities of trying to fit in and trying to be something that the world finds acceptable. We don't have to live our lives constantly seeking validation from others and constantly performing for others and giving in on our convictions and giving in on our standards because we've got to do whatever we have to do to get somebody to validate us, which generally leads us to being burned out because we're constantly performing for others and we're constantly trying to be good enough for others and eventually we're just exhausted because we just can't keep performing anymore when we embrace our value that is found in our maker we can throw all that out the window and we can live as the masterpiece Jesus made us to be right we are priceless we are precious second thing about living as a masterpiece is finding our sweet spots between who we are and what we do, right? It's finding that sweet spot. If, if you're into baseball at all, you, uh, you know, through the years, they've always talked about hitting the sweet spot of the bat, right? You want to hit the sweet spot of the bat because a baseball bat is designed in such a way that the barrel is fairly thick because you want to have a decent place to hit the ball, but then it tapers down into a really thin handle because you got to be able to get your hands around the baseball bats. And so you don't want to hit the ball in the thin part of the bats. You want to hit the ball in the thickest part of the barrel. But not just any part of the thickest part of the barrel because you don't want to hit the baseball off the end of the bats because the further away you get from your hands, the more physics kicks in. And if you hit the ball off the end of the bat, the bat is going to want to recoil around its center point, which means you're going to lose some of the power of your swing. But there is a sweet spot 
that is in the right part of the thickness of the barrel, but it's also just the right distance away from your hands. It's not too close to your hands. It's not too far away from your hands, but there is a sweet spot. And when you hit the sweet spots of the baseball bat, you're going to be hitting that ball with the maximum velocity, the maximum power. You're going to get the most effective hit on that ball because you hit the sweet spot of the bats. And so to live as masterpieces, we want to live the most powerful lives, the most effective lives possible. We want to get the most out of the life that we've been called to live. So what do we have to do? We have to hit the sweet spot of our lives. And where do we find the sweet spot of our lives? It's that perfect blend between who we are and what we do, right? What did we read in Ephesians chapter 10? We read that God prepared beforehand, God planned good works in advance. God planned in advance our destiny and our good works. God planned in advance the absolute best things that we could do. And why did he plan those for us? Because he knows who he created us to be. So the perfect blend, the sweet spot of our lives, is when we can fully embrace who God made us to be and find the perfect alignment with what he planned for us to do, and we're going to live the most powerful, most effective lives possible. And so that begins with embracing who we are and who God made us to be. What is the masterpiece of our lives? We're going to get back to that in just a minute. But the third part of living as a masterpiece is walking in God's plans, not ours. Walking in God's plans, not ours. Right? Ephesians 2.10 closes by saying, so that we would walk in them. So that we would walk in in them. God made us a masterpiece. God planned the good works for us to do. And now we have to walk in those things to live out our masterpiece. What does that mean? That means it's not our plan. It's not what we want. Our lives are not our own. And so if we can embrace this, that means that we're not going to be spending energy in our lives doing the wrong things. We're not going to be spending energy in our lives doing ineffective things or inefficient things. Also, we're not going to suffer from an endless stream of disappointment because we wanted life our way, right? I wanted that person to love me. I wanted to marry that person. I wanted this as a career. I wanted everything to go right in my family. I want to do this with my free time. And when none of that works out, we live in disappointment because we didn't get life our way. But God doesn't promise us life our way. What he promises is a life of power and effectiveness done his way. And so to live as a masterpiece, we make the decision to walk in God's plan. And listen, we won't know the fullness of what our life represents. We won't know the fullness of everything we have done for the kingdom of God. We won't see all of the fruit. We won't see how many lives we've influenced and changed. We won't know until eternity. And then when we're in heaven with God for eternity, then we'll see the fullness of our lives, then we'll see how our legacy played out. But our legacy is going to be found in God's plans, not ours. And so rather than living with the disappointment 
of the hurts and the suffering and the pains and the failures of life because life didn't work out the way we wanted. Instead, let's embrace God's plan. Let's live in the sweet spot of what He intended for our lives, knowing that that's where we'll find ultimate fulfillment. Let's jump down to the end of chapter 2. Let's pick it up in verse 19. It says, So then, you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and are of God's household. Right? So now what what Paul is writing here is that when you come to Christ, you're no longer separated from God. You're now a part of God's kingdom. You're now a part of God's family. So you're no longer separated. You have become a part of God's household, which is the church. You have become a part of something. And then in verse 20, he says, the church having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. That's why we sang cornerstone today. The apostles and prophets, those that wrote the Bible, have laid the foundation. But even more important than the foundation is the cornerstone of Christ Jesus. But then he goes on to say this about the church. In whom... In who? In Jesus. In Jesus, the whole building being fitted together is growing into a holy temple in the Lord. In whom? In who? Jesus. You also are being built together into a dwelling of God in the Spirit. And so what I want you to see here at the end of chapter 2 is Paul gives us this picture of God working in our lives both corporately and individually. There is a corporate work and there is an individual work, right? Together, corporately, we are, the whole building is growing into the holy temple of the Lord. Now, this is kind of a messed up metaphor by Paul because buildings don't grow. But we are an organic building, right? We are the church of Jesus Christ and we are growing into something spectacular. Why? Because we have been made for more. But then it says, you also being built together into a dwelling place of God. So God is working on the church corporately, and God is working on you individually. And this is where I want to get back to what we said at the very beginning, that each of us has a general calling, and each of us has a unique calling. So in your notes here, these last uh, couple of blanks here in your notes, you can either fill in the words general and unique, or you could also fill in the words primary and secondary. So let's talk about the first one, your general calling, or what would be your primary calling. What is a general calling? It's a calling that every follower of Christ has. Doesn't matter who you are, how old you are, where you live, what your culture is, how long you've been a follower of Jesus, it doesn't matter. We all have the same calling. And what is that calling? To be a disciple who makes disciples. Right? The Great Commission. Jesus said, go into all nations and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all that I have commanded you. We all have the same calling to be a disciple who makes disciples. And so in the midst of embracing who we are and finding that sweet spot of of what we're meant to do, we find it here. Are we being a disciple who makes disciples? Are we walking with Jesus, following Him, learning from Him, growing in His Word? And are we pouring that into others? 
But then we also all have a unique calling or what we would call a secondary calling. And this unique calling, this secondary calling is is unique just to you. It's your personal combination of traits, gifts, and experiences. And this is the part that we have to discover and embrace to find the sweet spot of living as a masterpiece. Is what has God called you specifically to do? What traits has he given you? What is your personality like? What, are, what, what skills are you naturally strong at? What are your gifts? What, what gifts of the Holy Spirit has he distributed to you? What things has he touched and anointed your life for? What have been the experiences of your life? What have you gone through? What have you struggled with? What has God delivered you out of? What great pain have you felt? And how has God comforted you through it? What relationships have you been in? And how have those relationships shaped your life? All of these things we can look at to discover what is it that God made me to be and and what is the unique calling? What are the unique things that I can do in ministry because of my combination of traits and gifts and experiences? How is God making me a masterpiece? What masterpiece am I discovering in my life? And I believe this. I believe that we will fulfill our callings both through the church and where we live. (laughs) Look at that great typo. That's totally my fault. It's not where we lie because we don't don't endorse lying and we're not talking about you being dead. (laughs) We will fulfill our callings both through the church and where we live. Where we live is our homes, our work, our school, basically where we spend most of our time and live most of our lives. Great job, Daniel, getting that fixed as quickly as possible. We will fulfill our callings both through the church and where we live. And so what that means is, is that as we go on this journey of embracing the masterpiece that we have been created to be and discovering exactly what God intended us to do, we're going to discover that as we follow Jesus, but we're also going to discover it as we live in community with the church and as we serve together with our brothers and sisters in the church, but we're also going to see that sweet spot activated when we can live out the masterpiece of who we are at home, at work, at school, wherever we live our lives. So we're not just a follower of Christ at church on Sunday, and we don't only do ministry when the church asks us to do ministry. No, we're a follower of Christ everywhere that we go. We're a masterpiece everywhere we set our feet. And we do ministry everywhere that we go, with the church, but also where we live. Let me have the worship team come back up as we finish today. Last week, we encouraged you to make the shift from more efforts to more Jesus. Right? We encouraged you to make the shift from instead of you trying so hard to be a quote-unquote good Christian, instead of you trying so hard to please people, instead of you trying so hard to follow the rules and, and look the way you think you're supposed to look, is let's throw all of that out. Instead, let's have more revelation of who Jesus is in our lives. Let's have more of who God is. Let's have more of everything the gospel promises us that we could live out of more Jesus instead of more effort. Today, I'm going to encourage you to make the shift from volunteering to living as masterpieces. 
I'm going to encourage you to make the shift. So instead of just volunteering, which just means I'm going to help out whenever somebody asks me to help out, or I'll go do this because the church needs me to do this, or I'll go do that because so-and-so called me and asked me to go do that. What if we made the shift from just simply volunteering to living as masterpieces, to where everything that we do is discovering the sweet spot between who we are and who God made us to be, and that we're not just doing ministry when we go to church, but that we're doing ministry everywhere that we are because we're living as masterpieces. And I'm not just volunteering because somebody asked me to. I'm serving because God prepared this work for me in advance, and I know that this is going to unlock a part of my masterpiece destiny because I'm putting my hand to this and doing this. It's a powerful shift. It's going to mobilize us to be missionaries for Christ Jesus wherever we go. But it begins with embracing the masterpiece that we were made through the gospel of Jesus Christ. Can I pray for you today? I want to pray for those that you've listened to this message and you have not surrendered your life to the gospel of Jesus. It starts there. Without the gospel, you're still under the curse of sin. Without the gospel, you've still fallen short of the masterpiece you were created to be. So you've got to surrender your life to Christ Jesus. Make him the Lord of your life. Receive the gift that he purchased for you by dying on the cross. And begin the new life that he called you to today. And then for all of us that are followers of Christ... Let's begin to embrace the reality that we're masterpieces. We're valuable because of Jesus and for no other reason. Don't let anyone devalue you. Don't let anyone try to define you by some uh, uh, artificial, by some surface level characteristic, superficial. No, our value is in Christ Jesus. And let's begin to live as precious masterpieces. Let's begin to embrace all that God designed our lives for. And let's begin to accept the purposes and the good works He intended us for. Come on, I'm going to pray for you today. Father, I pray for anyone right now who is ready to surrender their life to Christ. I pray in this moment, Lord, they would lay everything down before you. And they would declare with their mouths, Jesus is my Lord. Jesus is my leader. And Lord, would you forgive every sin? Would you deposit your Holy Spirit into their life? Would you begin to make them new? Would you begin to shape them into the masterpiece that you intended from the very beginning? Would you begin to unlock the newness of their life, Lord? Thank you for that, Jesus. Thank you for that, Lord. I pray for each one of us as we have participated in this message and in this service. I pray, Father, uh, that you would do something fresh and new in our lives. I pray that we would see the value that is inherent within us. Oh, and we would live according to that value. Father, I rebuke every lie that says that we have not been good-looking enough, not skinny enough, not the right body type, not the right skin color, not the right hair type, uh, that we have not had the right intelligence, that we have not had the right skills, that we have, I rebuke all of it in Jesus' name.
Oh, we are masterpieces, fearfully and wonderfully made. God has made no mistake. Oh, Lord, we will embrace the shape of our body. We will embrace the beauty of our faces. We will embrace the intelligence of our minds. We will embrace uh, the color of our skin. We will embrace all of it, Lord, because all of it is a part of the masterpiece that you created us to be. And not one of those things makes us valuable. All that makes us valuable, Lord, is that you made us just the way you wanted us. And we are just right in your eyes. Just right in your eyes. Oh, set us free, Lord, from insecurity and comparison and fear and people-pleasing. Set us free today, Lord. And begin to show us the calling you have upon our lives. That we were made to make disciples, but we're also made to minister to specific, unique circumstances and specific, unique moments. Lord, reveal to us the good works you planned for us in advance. Oh, and Lord, call, call us to live out our life. Bring us to that place where we can live in the sweet spot of who you made us to be and what you called us to do. God, I pray for a complete surrender to your will, a complete obedience to your plan for our lives, Lord. Oh, that we won't live our lives trying to discover something for ourselves. No, we'll live our lives fulfilling what you have already set up for us. We thank you for that today, Lord. We give you all the praise, all the glory for what you're doing in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.